With the NFL playoffs now starting to shake up, we are now going to see some of the top games of the NFL season. Yes, we did see plenty of them in the regular season, but the postseason is where we find out if you truly deserve to be there or not. Are you a pretender or do you belong? And that is exactly what we are going to go over today, and we are going to give you guys our predictions. I'm your host, Matthew Raritan, and this is Total Sports Talk Beyond the Lights. What is going on, guys, and welcome to another episode. We are glad you are here, and boy, do we have plenty to go over today because this is the NFL playoffs. The best of the best are there, and they are going to show up or show out. Um, I want to introduce my host here first, David Shreep. What's up, y'all? And Ed Smith. Welcome, y'all. Well, last week, uh, both Ed and David's teams came out victorious in the playoffs as they have now advanced to the next round, but are they going to win this week? We are going to talk about if they are the favorites or if they are the underdogs, and if we feel like they are going to win and then continue to the championship rounds where they could possibly face each other. Wouldn't that be something? My team, as we know, Pittsburgh Steelers, they out, but... I'm a football fan, so I love this, and I hope you guys do too. But I want to talk about the first game, and that is the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. We are looking at the number one seed versus the number four seed. And obviously, guys, the Ravens are the heavy favorites as they are minus nine and a half. They are nine and a half point favorites in this game. And I, I, I want to say rightfully so, but I feel a little iffy about this. The Texans, however, are just behind the Green Bay Packers as they sit second in the biggest underdogs this week as they are the plus 330 dogs. So, I mean, you're seeing where the money's moving. The money is going towards the Baltimore Ravens, the number one seed with the MVP favorite. And, guys, this isn't the first time they played this year. And I'm sure you may not even remember it because it was week one. That's how these teams started off their seasons, and that is how C.J. Stroud started off his NFL career against the Baltimore Ravens, and here we are back to playing each other. And, you know, the Ravens pulled off this win back in Week 1, 25-9, but as we know, a Week 1 team versus a Week 18 team can be completely different. Teams can uh, flip total opposites uh they could show potential early and then phase out or quite the opposite so I think both these teams have grown substantially this year I mean we're talking about CJ Stroud who is a rookie uh to have the success that he is having right now in the NFL throughout this season I mean a lot of players do not have that their rookie year but we are seeing that with CJ Stroud on the other end Lamar Jackson well he's the MVP favorite. Uh, that's how much these two players have emerged from coming the MVP favorite to the offensive rookie of the year favorite. So the Ravens, they have grown a lot because you're looking at a defense 
that is top tier. Roquan Smith, Patrick Kareen right in the middle there. That's where this defense is made. It revolves around them too. Whereas on the offense, as I've already said his name enough, Lamar Jackson, he can do anything. He's been labeled as the running back. We all know he's the quarterback, but he could play the running back because he's just that good. And he can drop those balls. He could throw dimes everywhere. So that's how these two teams are. I mean, sorry, the offense and defense goes for the Baltimore Ravens because they have grown a lot this year. And guys, let's not forget, they have dealt with their share of injuries. So to show what they can do after those injuries and where they're at now, uh, I mean, it's, I'm really impressed with this Baltimore team, and there's a reason why they're the number one seed in a very heavy AFC conference. Whereas the Texans, well, they've had their share of injuries too, but that hasn't held them back. Yes, it came down to the final game of the year for them to even clinch and win their division, but don't let that fool you. This Texans team, they did host the wild card round, and they were underdogs against a Cleveland Browns team who also bolsters one of the top defenses in the NFL. But C.J. Stroud made them look like fools. He made him look like he was a seasoned NFL vet that controlled the game from start to finish, and that's exactly what he did. Whereas their defense, well, I want to say any team can make Joe Flacco look bad, but he was making a lot of defenses look bad towards the end of the year. But we all knew what was going to happen. Joe Flacco was not going to lead this team to a Super Bowl, just as Mason Rudolph wasn't for my Steelers. So I want to make sure I'm not playing bias. <laughs> but it reality sunk in, and we saw what this Browns team really was like on offense with Joe Flacco as their quarterback. But this Texans team, we're seeing them grow and they are looking amazing. This is a team that if you're a free agent, you want to go play for them because you see so much upside, so much growth potential in this team. What D'Amico Ryans is doing with this Texans team also is probably going to guarantee him the coach of the year. So that's how impressive this Texans team has been since week one, how much growth they've had. But when it comes down, though, to youth versus experience, I mean, of course, Lamar Jackson has experience. I mean, that's a no-brainer. You look at paper, you see that he has the experience. But C.J. Stroud looks like a player that has all the experience in the world. I don't think I've seen a rookie quarterback play as calm, cool, cool and collected as he has his entire rookie season. And really quick, I, I, I have to say this. What uh, NBC did with C.J. Stroud and his uh, post-game comments, you should be ashamed. For those of you who don't know, C.J. Stroud uh, thanked his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which is amazing. But for NBC to then, you know, kind of cross that out and and put uh, different of his comments as the video, uh, you should be ashamed. But uh, C.J. Stroud does look like someone that has actually the experience. But it comes down to this. We hear this every year. The rest and rust. Are they synonymous? And sometimes it can be true. We have seen that plenty of times where the team who had the the bye um, in the first round of the playoffs don't look like they uh, should have been or how they ended the season. But this Ravens team needed this rest. Lamar Jackson, although is the MVP favorite, looked very uh, banged up. He looked bruised when it came down to the end of the year because he was – 
putting this offense, this team on his back to get them to the number one seed, to get that rest that they deserve. And so I think that this um, team is not going to be affected by the rest. I actually think that both these teams are going to come out swinging, unlike their first matchup where it was very slow and close at halftime, where that game ended up being exploded by the Ravens in the second half. Uh, I think it's going to be very heavy in the first half and then come down the stretch in the second half. It's going to be slow and close. But I think my prediction here, guys, is a 35-32 to 32 Baltimore Ravens victory with a none other than a walk-off field goal by the man himself, Justin Tucker. The GOAT, I should say. But guys, are you, are you seeing this very similar? I mean, I don't know if the points you are or if the team is, but uh, David, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, I definitely agree that the Ravens are uh, going to win. And I think you make an interesting point about how uh, C.J. Stroud just completely uh, shredded the uh, Browns' uh, number one defense. But let me just talk about the defense here. Um, and uh, and uh, I've talked before, um, I've given uh, high praise to uh, Baltimore's defense. Even though Cleveland statistically had the number one defense, I think most of us can agree that the true number one defense is the Baltimore Ravens. And if you want to know how good they are, apparently uh, they're the first defense in NFL history to lead the league in points allowed per game, sacks, and takeaways. I believe I've talked about before about how they have a historically good defense. Well, those are the numbers to back it up. And I firmly believe that if the Ravens win the Super Bowl, you have to put that defense up there among the all-time greats. I understand that, you know, they have a, they have a really good offense and a lot of the good a lot of the best defenses in NFL history Um, Something they had in common was they didn't exactly have explosive offenses, giving more attention to the defense. But I don't think you should fault the Ravens for that. I mean, you know, uh, look at the Lions, which I'm going to talk about later. Um, They have one of the best offenses in the league. And then their their defense, while not terrible, terrible per se, I mean, the Lions aren't exactly known for their uh, for their defense. So I don't think you should punish the Ravens defense just because, um, you know, just because they have the benefit of uh, also playing uh, with with an elite offense as well. Um, But I agree. I think this is going to be the Ravens uh, for the taking. Uh, Keep in mind, though, that the last time the Ravens did um, make it to the playoffs as the clear cut best team in the league, they got their asses kicked in the divisional round. And that was, uh, if you guys remember, uh, by the Titans. But the difference, though, is that the Titans back then were more of a veteran Lawton team, whereas Houston is a rookie-led team. You know, they got a rookie head coach. They're their best offensive – well, maybe not best offensive player. Their quarterback is is a rookie. And, of course, they have a, a rookie um, – they have a rookie defensive player in uh, Will Anderson – so uh, they don't really have that veteran experience that Tennessee uh, did last time. So uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Houston pulls off the upset, um, but I think this is Baltimore's uh, for the taking. Ed, well, I I disagree with you, Matt, on the re- the rest versus rust aspect of it. And for the point that you uh, brought up, David, the <clears throat> Lamar Jackson has not come out of playing, you know, having that much time off and playing in sync with his offense ever, you know, when you're talking about going into the playoffs, 
Lamar Jackson hasn't had a meaningful game to play in in three weeks. You know, so that is a long time to kind of sit there and study and do your practices and all that good stuff. And it, it just, it's not the same as being in the game. C.J. Stroud, on the other hand, has been in the game. He's been in the fire. He has been phenomenal facing a pass rush that had really dominated a lot of other teams uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL, in the Cleveland Browns. So I'm actually going to go the opposite. I'm going to take the Texans here and a little bit lower lower score than what most people would think at 26-22. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, that is on the under, and that is certainly going uh, going to be you know, a massive upset, which Vegas would really like. <laughs> yeah, and let me just let me add, let me add another point too that I I think something uh, uh, something that I see here um, a lot of what this Ravens team ha- uh, has in common um, with that 2019 team that just you know kicked everybody's butt in the regular season is that um, in both scenarios when the Ravens clinched home field advantage John Harbaugh uh, rested all of his uh, starters right and you could argue that the rust that the Ravens had back in 2019 was a contributing factor in them getting destroyed by the Titans. Now, you know, like likewise this year, Ravens uh, clinched home field advantage. And as a result, obviously, Jar- John Harbaugh saw no point in playing his starters uh, since their fate was already decided. So he rested them against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Now, if the Ravens lose to the Texans, then everybody's going to point to John Harbaugh and they're going to say, dude, like, what the hell? Like, you did the exact same thing last time. You rested your starters. And because of that, they had some rust, and now we have deja vu all over again. So what gives? So if that does happen, obviously I'm not advocating for John Harbaugh to be fired. Like, that would be stupid. But he will have a lot to answer for. Well, speaking of deja vu, I know Ed's going to have it here, but this next game I know brings back a lot of memories to Ed, and these teams have met several times before and in very important games. Um and that's the Green Bay Packers, and that's the San Francisco Niners. And this is actually very similar to the game I just talked about because the Niners are the number one seed, and they also had rest. So, Ed, I'm just going to let you take this one away. (laughs) Well, talking about being deja vu, this is the 10th meeting in the playoffs between these two teams, which is the most in NFL history. So, and there's a – there's – a lot that can be said going all the way back to the nineties, because those 10 matchups have been within the last 28 seasons. So that is a lot packed into a small time frame there. But like you were talking about Matthew on the lines for uh, the, the Ravens and Texans game, this is a expected to be a blowout. Uh, San Francisco is favored by nine and a half and expected to drive the the point total up over 50 and a half. And my poor Packers, uh, we're at 340, plus 340 on the line. Uh, you know, it would be stealing if if so, if one. But uh, <clears throat> we'll get into that here in a minute. But one of the things that I wanted to take a look at in this game is the LaFleur-Shanahan connection, history, a record because Shanahan, he's got quite the coaching tree out there right now. 
between D'Amico Ryans, Matt LaFleur, Robert Sala, Mike McDaniel. I mean, those are some big names in the coaching realm right now that is not part of the, quote, old guard that's out there. You know, you're seeing a lot of success with at least three of them, uh, Robert Sala. Uh, <laughs> well, and, in, in fairness to Robert Sala, didn't didn't the Jets have one of the best defenses? And that is a specialty. I mean, it's not his fault that Rodgers got injured. That's true. That's true. But, you know, as the old adage goes, you are what your record is. Yeah. You know, so that's Definitely. that's kind of where I, I dropped that one. Uh, what we have found, you know, as far as a regular season, LaFleur has Shanahan's number. You know, they're three and one. He's three and one against Shanahan in the regular season. But that's not where it counts. Two against Shanahan. And I think we remember watching those two games, uh, one being the icicle-laden uh, game in Green Bay a couple of years ago uh, with the block punt for the touchdown that basically sealed the whole uh, kit and caboodle for that one. But, you know, they do come from a very similar mindset as far as how offense runs. And right now with LaFleur being able to run his offense through Jordan Love, uh, it's going to be a different uh, preparation that Shanahan is having to do rather than just preparing for Aaron Rodgers' version of what that offense is. So they they both run a very similar offense because they come off of that coaching tree that goes back to uh, Kyle Shanahan's dad, and which comes off of Bill Walsh, which comes off of Paul Brown. I mean, there you can trace that all the way back if you want. But one of the big things about running these uh, schemes on offense and defense is how many people are going to be available to do it. Uh, when you, you know, if you take a look at the injury report for Green Bay, it's the walking wounded. They had 13 players in limited practice this week. That is an astounding number. When you're talking about four of them, Jair Alexander, you're talking A.J. Dillon, you're talking Isaiah McDuffie, the middle, the middle linebacker. Uh, those, that is going to be very difficult to get this rolling train that uh, the 49ers are, you know, slowed down enough for their offense to keep up with them. Now, to look at San Francisco's side, they really don't have much. You know, they've got Dre Greenlawn, who's questionable with an Achilles injury. Um, Clellan Farrell, a defensive end, he's out. Uh, the big one that I was looking for on this injury report is Trent Williams. Because as I've said on this show, San Francisco goes how Trent Williams goes. You know, that blind side to Brock Purdy is just so important to him because without him, you see the 49ers score only 17 and a half points a game with Trent Williams in the lineup. They score 32.4. That is more than double. That is almost double what you see without him. That is a huge number. And, you know, we've got to be looking at, you know, how the game goes because Trent Williams, not only, got pulled for a groin injury just three weeks ago against the Ravens. He's been on a gimpy ankle for the past two seasons. 
you know, what happens. If he stays intact during this game, I don't see much of a way that San Francisco doesn't keep this rolling. But, you know, we'll have to see that portion of it. But the other part that uh, Trent Williams helps out is the run game. You know, the running game is so important to this to both of these offenses that, you know, you're not going to have the wide open uh, tight end leaks and things of that nature without having that run game really set the tone. And when you're talking about running game for San Francisco, you've got Christian McCaffrey. And I'm not even looking at his white, his run, his rushing numbers. I'm looking at his scrimmage numbers. He is, he had over 2000, scrimmage yards for the season with 21 touchdowns and only fumbled three times, which I don't know if he even lost any of them. You know, he is not only the running back by handoff, he is the running back by uh, the screen game to dump offs, to outlets, you know, things that create space for him and he will make everybody miss. That is, he is a nightmare in the open field, but also on the flip side, Green Bay with Aaron Jones. Since Aaron Jones has been back, he is averaging 119 yards per game. You know, since for the last four weeks since he's come off of injury, but he is going against San Francisco's run defense, which is third in the NFL at only 89 yards a game. So there's going to be a little irresistible force versus a movable object as far as that portion is concerned. And when you factor in these different these different ideas, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I don't want to say it. Don't make me say it. But I'll say it. The Niners will win, and they they will cover. It'll be 33-20, 49ers over my Green Bay Packers. Matthew, are you seeing this the same way? Almost exactly, and that's what's kind of scary. I actually have 32-21. Niners. I mean, we're right there in points, but uh, I want to give Green Bay credit because since Aaron Jones has came back, they are looking like such a complete team. But if there's a team out there that can make you not look complete anymore, well, it is the San Francisco 49ers, especially when healthy. But I think the key factor here is, and we talked earlier when we mentioned Roquan Smith, but that's Fred Warner. Fred Warner is a game-changing linebacker that can not only cover, but he can fill those gaps really fast and really hard and make a tackle against the running back. So I think he sees the field just like Christian McCaffrey sees the field on the opposite side. So I think when you have two guys like that playing for you, you are going to have a great chance at winning. So I see it 32-21 Niners. Yeah, I and Bosa can get there in a hiccup. Can he? he can get he'll be able to get to Jordan Love in a hiccup. Yeah. Yeah. Almost everything uh points to a clear cut 49ers victory, which is why I'm taking the Packers in a massive upset. I don't have any logic. I don't have anything to back up. You know, my prediction, Ed, I just have a really good feeling about your Packers, man. Like I just have a, a really good feeling that they're uh going to pull off the upset. And again, I have no logic. I have no basis for that. But a lot of times in sports, especially uh playoffs, logic goes out the window. And logic is going out my window today. I'm hedging my bets, so David, please be right. <laughs> I, I mean I, I definitely for Ed's sake. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is it is time for a little 
little drinky poo there. Matt, what do you got? Oh, man. This here, man, I got to tell you guys about this. Man, are you looking for a delicious cup of coffee that also supports a great cause? Well, look no further than North Arrow Coffee Company. Their specialty grade coffee beans are ethically sourced and roasted to perfection. And I mean it, guys, perfection. And it provides a rich and satisfying taste in every cup. But that's not all. Every purchase of North Arrow helps support life-affirming organizations that provide resources and support to families in need. And plus, you can get a 10% discount on your first purchase with the promo code ADP10. You guys need to write that down, ADP10, and it supports all of us. But don't wait. Visit northarrow.co slash ADP today and start your day with a cup of coffee that truly makes a difference like all of us. And this, guys, right here, this is Honduras number four. You guys need to try them out because they weren't kidding. It's perfection right here. So check them out, guys. That is North Arrow Coffee. But that isn't the uh, the greatest thing. I mean, it to me, that's pretty damn great. But to be even greater, well, that would be a Tampa Bay Bucks victory, at least for David it would be. <laughs> and they go into Detroit, guys. And, guys, I have to say this because I know you guys are going to – you're going to talk about it too. But how about those cold weather conditions in Detroit, David? Are the Bucks going to be able to play in that? You do know they play indoors, right? They got a dome. Oh, they do. <laughs> how did I not know that? You think I'm to do my best. Show, I would be more prepared to know that, right? Oh my gosh! Try I'm I'm trying to do my best Todd Bowles impression there. Hey, hey, listen, man. Okay, we're all we're all human, and reporters are human too. They're going to make mistakes, but my gosh, you should at least have basic information down, man. But uh, listen, I don't I don't want to rip on that reporter too much. She already feels uh she already feels bad enough. She knows what she did, so yeah, that she does. But yeah, let's talk about this game though. Yeah, you know, guys, uh, this is this is really interesting because there's uh, yes, there is an, an, an underdog, and that is my my bucks. The lines are six and a half point favorites. But you know what is really interesting is that despite the fact that there is a literal underdog here, both teams feel like they're underdogs. Um, you know, I thought uh, I thought David Cohn from uh, Crane Company uh, made a really good point about that, and when I saw him say that, I'm thinking. My gosh, like that, that I I thought of literally the exact same thing. So like our minds must be must be totally uh intact. But I think he's so I think he he was totally right. This is a game where both teams feel like they're the underdogs. Like this is a game between two teams that really kind of uh, thrive off of that uh hard man's working uh blue collar mentality. And um there's a lot of similarities between these two teams, other than the fact that they both feel like they're uh, underdogs. Uh, one of them, of course, being that both teams uh, have quarterbacks uh, who were drafted num- number one from, from other teams, right? Like, you know, they were, uh, they were kind of tossed around. Nobody really uh, b- believed in them. And now they're proving everybody wrong with how well they're doing for uh, their respective teams. And then I'm looking at their, uh, I'm looking at their, uh, the defenses. Um, whereas, like when I when I look at the Lions defense, it's not great per se, but it is a lot better than it was last year. And the one thing that the Lions thrive in is rush defense. Of course, when you have guys like Alex Anzalone and uh, Aiden Hutchinson uh, up front, it's no surprise that any unit 
that's led by those two is going to, you know, be able to uh, uh, stop the run well. And that's exactly what Tampa Bay is as well. You know, the Bucks have a really good uh, run run defense as well. And neither secondary, neither of our secondaries are particularly good. Um, I mean, for us, I know we got Antoine Winfield Jr., but aside from him, uh, our secondary isn't exactly uh, anything to uh, write home about. Um, obviously, last time, uh, you know, when when the Lions played us, uh, they uh, they killed us. But um, you know, looking back from, from that time, um, the Bucks are a different team. I mean, back then, it it really seemed like we were just going to uh, you know hit, hit hit the lottery and just be what we seem to be destined to be without Tom Brady. And that is just a mediocre football team. Well, by the grace of God, that did not happen. And then the lions, I don't think they've changed much guys. I think they're pretty much the same team that they've been from start to finish. Uh, they've been consistently good from the beginning of the season uh, up to, uh, you know, up to where they are now. So uh, I don't see, I don't see a lot of changes there, but I think we are seeing that Tampa Bay Bay now is a different team from before because we can see the identity that they are trying to, uh, you know, that they're trying to uh, run with. Um, But at the end of the day, like partially to avoid jinxing my own team, but I'm taking the lions here. Um, Listen, the city of Detroit is hungry, man. I mean, did did y'all, did y'all hear how, how loud Ford field was against the Rams? Like I could, I swear I could feel my TV shake. Like that's how, that's how loud those guys up, up in motor city were, man. So, uh, I got to take the, uh, I got to take the lion, man. Uh, obviously I, uh, I hope that I'm, that I'm wrong here. Um, but it being in Detroit and the momentum they have there, um, I just can't pick against the lions and in, in good conscience. So give me, give me the lions and a 33 to 31 victory over my bucks. Guys, am I the only one that when I tune into a, a Lions game and I see Anzalone out there, I think is that Thor from Asgard playing yeah. out there? I mean, with yeah. his with his white blonde luscious hair playing out there. I mean, that's it's like Troy Polamalu, but th- instead you're you're looking at Thor. But I mean, if you're comparing anyone to Thor on that team, it's obviously Aiden Hutchinson. That guy is a generational talent, and we are seeing it in full effect. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- their fans are loud. I mean, th- they're hoping one of their teams are going to win. I mean, l- look at the Pistons, they, how horrible they are. They were only cheering for wings. And then and then the Tigers, I mean, we, we, we see uh, kind of what's been happening with yeah. them throughout the, the, the years. But this well, and, and team. The Red, the Red Wings are having a decent season, like a much better season than they've had in quite a while. Well, so. when you're that close to Canada, you better do good, or the expect <laughs> the expectations a lot higher there. I mean, your practically your swimming pools, your lakes, your ponds are ice rinks at, from birth, pretty much. So it's you know they better do good. But yes, this Lions team is different, and it has given the city of Detroit, I think, a lot of confidence, especially within that organization when they once were ashamed to even wear a jersey; they'd have a paper bag on their face. But now you're seeing it completely different but really quick my prediction i'm with you david i have it 24 to 17 lions yeah i'll just add uh, one more point um cj gardner johnson i really i i really want to like you man i really want to root for you because you are a gator and alex anzalone is a gator as well go gators okay but cj gardner johnson runs his mouth a lot i think we know that uh he made some very interesting comments um about baker mayfield basically implied that we don't have a good passing game now in fairness when we did play the lions earlier in the season that was 
arguably Mayfield's uh, worst game uh, of the season. He uh, he uh, missed a lot of passes. Um, he he didn't have any touchdown touchdowns in that game. So I can sort of see where Gardner Johnson is coming from. But uh, you know, if we end up winning, then guys, if I remember correctly. This is the same guy who talked about Tennessee saying you ain't never seen a duck pull a truck. And then uh, the volunteers uh, ended up killing my, my gators. Um, so listen, Garner Johnson, if you guys win, kudos to you and you're a gator. So I don't want to, I don't want to hate on you, man. But if we end up winning, then you're going to look like a, a fool straight up. Okay. So what I'm seeing in this game is, the fact that Detroit is multiple on offense, whereas Tampa Bay, from what I've seen, is fairly one-dimensional. You know, yeah, you've yeah, got two thousand-yard yeah. receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and not much else. You know, when it comes to offensive production. So, <clears throat> with that being said, Detroit, because they have a a running a run first mentality, a down and gritty mentality, but yet can still work with Laporta. They'll work with Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there's so much there uh, to try and cover that I don't think Tampa is going to be able to cover it all. This is going to be a game in which I actually have it as the one, uh, not upset, but the one game that gets out of hand pretty quickly. And I have it at 38, 13 lions. Sorry, David. Well, you're going to be held accountable if that score ends up not being, you know, true. <laughs> yeah, I, Only if we win. Bring the heat, man. Bring the heat. If the lions, if the lions still win, but it's a close game, then obviously it's not going to mean anything. And yeah, you know, you're, you're exactly right. Like we are a one dimensional team and our run game has gotten better. Yes. But the fact remains that we're still dead last in rushing offense, and the Lions, I th- I think they're a top top five in a, in rushing offense. So, well, and that's the point I wanted to bring up. You're looking at a Lions team that lost Jamal Williams and they lost DeAndre Swift, but yet they they have one of the top rushing attacks in the league, and that that goes credit to their offensive line. Offensive linemen do not get credit enough, and I'm going to because I'm a Ducks fan, but Panay Sewell is one of the reasons why, and he's on their offensive line. But yeah, what this Lions team has done by losing two of their starting running backs, but then replacing them with Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs and still being up towards the top, kudos to them. But the reason why I couldn't put pick the Bucks here as much as I kind of wanted to because I like Baker Mayfield, but it's because of that. When Baker Mayfield is on, he looks like a premier quarterback, but when he's not, it's very, it can be very mediocre. And that's my thing is sometimes you don't know what Baker you're going to get. And that's why it's like, I, I have to kind of give it to uh, the, the Lions because although um, Jared Goff is no superior quarterback, He's still pretty consistent, and I talked about that the other day. He'll give you a consistent enough numbers with that running game. It should help to put them over the top. But, you know, the, I want to talk about this last game, guys. This here is the marquee matchup of the playoffs. It is the game that everyone is talking about, and it's almost like I want to say rightfully so because of these two teams and what they've done in the playoffs the last several years. And that guys is the Kansas city chiefs at 
the Buffalo Bills. I want to I want to put that at there because that's important. But uh, this has become pretty much a staple in the AFC playoffs over the the last several years. It's either these two teams or it's the Chiefs and the Bengals in the AFC playoffs over the last several years. And it never lets us down as football fans, unless you hate the Chiefs that much, then yes, it has let you down because the Chiefs always find a way to win. But it's just one of those games that delivers on every occasion when they meet in the playoffs. And guys, if you don't remember, they played each other just not too long ago, just two years ago, and what it was pretty much called one of the best games ever. It was the game of the ages where... The Bills were 13 seconds away from making the AFC championship game. Yes, you heard that correctly, 13 seconds. But there's a guy named Patrick Mahomes who had something to say about that. And he stormed his team down and tied the game with a uh, tying field goal, Harrison Butker, to bring the game to overtime. I mean, I don't know much quarterbacks that could do that with 13 seconds left, but Patrick Mahomes did. And then what did they do? They won the coin toss in overtime, and they accepted because, well, they had the hot hand. Uh, Why not ride the hot hand while you can? And they did that, well, on the opening drive in overtime, game-winning touchdown to none other than Travis Kelsey. And I talk about having that hot hand, and it makes you wonder, well, who's going to be hot in this cold? Who's going to stay hot? Because, guys, the Chiefs were looked down on – um, because they did not look great this year. Well, they somewhat proved some of the doubters wrong in the play this last week's playoff matchup. And it's kind of hard because I say some doubters because of how cold it was. Miami was out of their element. It was clear as day they're out of their element. So how much do you want to give validation to that? Um, that's on you. But the Bills team also had something to prove as well, and I, I'd say they did so against the, my Pittsburgh Steelers. Josh Allen is a very scary threat at quarterback because I talked about earlier where Lamar Jackson can run it, but Josh Allen is a different runner than Lamar Jackson, and although Josh <clears throat> Allen is actually very fast, he is physical. Trying to take him down is like trying to take down almost it, it, Derrick Henry. Because that's how big he is. He is humongous. So trying to take him down is hard. And uh, we know he likes to run the ball. And he's a very smart runner as well. So I think these two teams do come into this game hot. But it's not going to be as cold there. It's going to be in the the low 20s. I say that. That is still pretty cold. But it's not going to be as cold as the games were last week. when With a wind chill in Kansas City of minus 27. Which I want to say is the third coldest game of all time. Fourth. So, it, but it, regardless, that's pretty damn cold. And the Buffalo Bills, we know what happened there because they were postponed a day because of the snow, the wind. It was a blizzard there pretty much. So the next question, though, that you want to ask is it changes from being in Kansas City two years ago to now being in Buffalo. Is that going to be important? Well, in all sports, having home field advantage is really important when you're the home team when you hold that card you kind of hold being the favorite and that is exactly what the bills are they are the favorites in this game but there's a crazy stat here that a lot of people may not realize this is Patrick Mahomes first road playoff game ever and it seems like Mahomes has been in the league forever 
but it, which I mean, he has been for several years, and he's been at the top for several years. This is his first true road playoff game. I say that because a lot of people beg to differ because, well, they played the Bucks in Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, yeah, but that was. That that was a neutral site game. Like that was that was classified as neutral. So well, absolutely. But I mean, when you're playing yeah. at the home of Tampa, so that's why I say some may not consider it. But this is true on paper. This is Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game. So uh, that needs to be said. That is important. We've never seen him on the road. We don't know how he's going to perform in the playoffs on the road. But I think we know Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, and he's pretty damn good in the playoffs. And, but being at home though, for the bills, I think is going to be vital. I really think it is. I think it's going to be very important. And I'm going to sound like a hypocrite hypocrite here because I've said it all along. Wait till the chiefs make the playoffs. They may look sucky in the regular season, but they're going to make us look like fools in the playoffs. We all know they're going to go to the super bowl. It's the chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, uh, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, who's obviously not part of the team, but you get what you get my drift when I mention her name. Um, but I think the bills are going to win this game, guys. Uh, the the storyline coming into it, of course, is Mahomes first road playoff game, but let's not overshadow that the chiefs have a legit defense out there and the bills offense and offensive line has been very scary, especially down this stretch. So I do want to give them credit where credit's due because, uh, They've dealt with injuries, but this Buffalo team, who is going to be without, once again, um, Gabe Davis on offense and then Taylor Rapp on defense, which is going to be big when you play the Chiefs. But that offensive line, I watched them last week against the Steelers, and I saw what they were able to do, and that offensive line is legit. And I think that that's going to be a factor against this Chiefs defense and defensive line with Chris Jones. It's going to come down to that in the trenches there, who is going to stand out the most. But in the end, I've got the Bills winning this game. And it's going to be close, guys. It's going to be 27-24. I think it's going to be very close the entire game. And it's going to end just I, – I, I can't tell you how it's going to end, but I know it's going to be 27-24 Bills. Yeah, and doesn't this game feel like something that uh, you you just kind of let <clears throat> let go until the last five minutes of the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you you kind of keep it on like in the background because you know it. There's going to be plays that are made, you know, but you go and do those those things that you do while a game is on. You mm-hmm. know, like for me, if I have like other things around the house that need to get done, mm-hmm. you know. I'll do that in the first quarter or something like that. Just kind of let the game play out. But then by the time you hit, you know, the last five minutes of the ball game, that's when fireworks just go off for these uh, two teams. You know, you mentioned the the playoff game a couple years ago. You got to love a playoff game that, that actually rewrites the rules for the NFL. They completely rewrote the overtime rules because of that game express expressively so that is an, an, an amazing accomplishment for how great a game that was and i do see a lot of similarities happening here it's going to be very close and it gets right down to the end on who's more buttoned up for uh the clock management toward the end of the game 
I do think the venue matters, and I do think that crowd matters. That The Bills Mafia is no joke whatsoever, and the team feeds off of them 100%. Yes, you're going to have all the plays made on the field, but uh, that Bills team does feed off the crowd energy, you know, busting through tables in the parking lot all the way into the stadium. You know, it is a fun time, you know, just watching some of the clips uh, of that. In the end, I do think that the Kansas City receivers will let Patrick Mahomes down enough to where they lo- uh, the Chiefs lose this game. And I have it similar once again. And just so everybody knows, we do not talk to each other about what score predictions that we have. I've got the Bills winning at 29-25. Okay. David, yeah. what are you seeing on that? Well, um, I, I agree that the Bills are going to – I think the Bills are going to win. Um, this this feels like a game where it's finally going to uh, turn in their favor. And you, you know what this Bills team kind of reminds me of, Matthew? Um, it is a different sport. But this Bills team kind of reminds me of the Washington Capitals because what do these teams have in common? Well, you have a Bills team um, where the Chiefs have really had their number in, in the playoffs. And then the Washington Capitals, as, as you would know, Matthew is a Penguins fan, just repeatedly got their asses kicked in, uh, in the postseason by the Penguins year after year, year after year. Until finally uh, the dam broke and the Capitals were finally able to uh, vanquish their demons. So I could see something similar uh, happening in, in this in this scenario. Now it should also be noted that when the when the Capitals finally did beat the Penguins, that was also kind of the season where everybody stopped having faith in the Capitals and like, you know, the, the, the one season where nobody expects the Capitals to even do anything. Of course they go all the way. And, uh, and a lot of people still have faith in, in the, like a lot of people have faith in the bills. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure they're the Super Bowl favorites. Um, so, uh, maybe it won't happen this time. Maybe it won't be until the bills are true underdogs that they'll finally able to, uh, overcome the chiefs um so yeah i just see a lot of uh a lot of similarities there but i'm gonna take the bills in a uh 36 to uh 24 victory over the chiefs yeah that's a big margin and and it could happen if these wide receivers for the chiefs just continue to drop balls and not show up in games when they matter but guys if you were to ask me at the beginning of the year who's gonna have a better season delvin cook or James Cook, you know, they're brothers, I'd be like, that's Delvin all the way. No. What James Cook has done, he has really revitalized this rushing attack for the Buffalo Bills. We all know what Josh Allen can do on his feet. But what Cook is doing in this running game, it is adding an extra threat that defenses aren't prepared for. When you have a quarterback who could run, you have a running back that could run, and you have a receiver like Stefan Diggs out there, that leaves you lost. But I didn't even mention their best part of their offense. That's both their tight ends. With Kincaid and Knox, I don't really think a whole lot of teams can stop that. When we talk about Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, we talk about them and how great they are because of that attack. Well, they've got two guys that are Travis Kelsey-like. 
Not not saying they're Travis Kelsey because we know Travis Kelsey is among the greatest, if not the greatest. But Dalton Kincaid and 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 Knox out there at tight ends, I think is going to be just a little too tough for this Kansas City t- defense to stop all that as far as that's on offense for the Bills. But um, that's all of our predictions today, guys. But we have actually some breaking news that happened earlier, and we are going to switch really quick to college football. But that, the only reason we're doing that is because we thought this guy was actually maybe going to get considered for a head coaching job in the NFL, possibly. But that's Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is heading to the Ohio State as their offensive coordinator. And David's going to talk to us actually about this uh, move here. Yeah, speaking of Bills, right, from one Bill to to another. Um, yeah, this uh, this this move was certainly surprising, guys, but like only surprising in the sense that I don't think anybody expected this to happen. I don't think anybody um, expected Bill O'Brien to go to Ohio State. It's like, oh, that happened? Oh, I Okay, I did not see that coming. But let me tell you, I think this is a brilliant move on Ryan Day's part. I know there's some speculation as to if this means that uh, O'Brien is the head coach in waiting, um, if Ryan Day is ready to step down. I don't see that. I don't see it like that at all. Um, I think this is just a scenario where Ryan Day uh, recognizes his deficiencies as a play caller, and he just wants to uh, relinquish that responsibility to, uh, you know, to uh, somebody else. As a head coach, you're not going to be good at everything, right? Um, and for, uh, for 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 Ryan Day, I think he sees an area where he's not he's not the best at it, and so he's giving it to somebody who is more proven. And, and let me tell you guys. Bill O'Brien is certainly proven as a play caller. Let's not forget that Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy under Bill O'Brien. Alabama had one of the best offenses in the country the two years that O'Brien was there, especially uh, passing offense um, with Bryce Young uh, under center. But not just as a play caller, guys. Bill O'Brien is a really good coach, period. He was a really good head coach for the Houston Texans. He, he led the Texans to four... AFC South titles. Okay. What ultimately ended up being Bill O'Brien's downfall was the fact that he was a horrible, horrible GM, a terrible GM for the Texans, but just keep him away from GM duties. And that guy can fly. All right. Coaching for him has never been an issue. So kudos to Ryan Day in Ohio state. I think this is a fantastic move for them. And I, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think Ohio State is going to win, win the championship. I think that's too early to predict now. But I think certainly what I can say is that I think you're going to see a much, much, much more improved offense um, by the Buckeyes than, than than we've seen before. But, uh, Ed, what do you think? I think we're going to see an offense that has more depth to it than just chucking it down to uh, – these top-end wide receivers that Ohio State seems to have on their roster every single season. You know, you mentioned about his head coaching, uh, Bill O'Brien's head coaching prowess. I want to take it back to when he took over Penn State after they had such turmoil within their program that some people were talking death penalty. I mean, it was that bad. But there he goes. He takes the, uh, the Penn State head coaching job and makes them competitive Almost immediately. He was only there for a couple of seasons. 
before uh, he moved on to uh, the Texans. But that was truly a stepping stone job for him for how quickly he could turn around that program as a whole. Now, when he got to the Texans, you got to remember he inherited Matt Schaub. Who remembers Matt Schaub? Really? I mean, and your point about him being a GM, uh, who in their right mind would give away DeAndre Hopkins for a six-round pick? Apparently Bob. I mean, (laughs) mean, that was – horrendous but you're but in the end do we think bill o'brien may be the best of the bill belichick coaching tree i mean that's that's a hard road to hoe and you know to turn an old phrase but who else does bill belichick have in in his holster as far as successful coaches you know be after them leaving new england not a whole lot so this uh, tells me that Bill O'Brien is comfortable being in the college game and is okay working in these elite programs as an offensive coordinator, just biding his time until he finds a job that fits him uh, specifically. Is it a matter of Ryan Day finally saying, oh, that's it for me. I'm not taking the people in Columbus anymore, especially if they lose another game, another the game. You know, maybe, but Bill O'Brien is certainly setting himself up for success, either staying at Ohio State and having a top 10 uh, program to work with year in and year out, or, you know, parlaying that into getting another shot at head coaching, whether it be in the college ranks or the NFL. Well, as, as, as we've talked about, we're all in agreement that Bill O'Brien was a horrible GM, but he was a fantastic head coach and he was a really good, he was a really good head coach for the Texans. So hopefully somebody give, gives him a shot, just keep him away from the front office and you're good to go, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember when Nick Saban called him up, brought him in as OC, I was like, Wow, I mean this this was this was this was crazy that I when he had did that and it paid off hugely for Alabama and for Bill O'Brien. I want to put that it for both of them. And when you have a guy who has coached with Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, you got to be pretty damn good. And I we've seen a lot of coaching changes right now in college football, but I think this has to be the best coaching addition out of all of these moves. And he's not even a head coach. He's going to be an offensive coordinator. That's how huge I think this is for Ohio State. You know, uh, we saw Kalen DeBoer go to Alabama. Those are big shoes to fill. But regardless, I still don't think that that or uh, Jed Fish going to Washington is actually a better move than Bill O'Brien going to Ohio State to be their offensive coordinator. So I think that is something to look out for and to see is he going to be taking over Friday day or is he going what's this going to do for him? Because I think it's only going to go up for Bill O'Brien from here. So I think he's playing his cards right. And this, this is really great for him. But uh, did you want to say something really quick, David? Yeah, actually I, I have a question. Do we really think that Ryan day would call it quits? Like keep in mind, he's still really young for a head coach, by the way. And he's how long has he been at Ohio state three, four seasons. He hasn't been there for, for very long. There's no way he's going to call it quits. What do you think, Ed? I don't. I don't think he calls it quits. I don't. But I do think that if there is another, uh, another game against the team up north, 
that he does not successful in, then he's going to be out of Columbus oh, faster before the bus actually gets back to the practice facility. No, you know, I agree. They'll leave him on the side of the road somewhere. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely. You know, get- so Ryan Day, Ryan Day will certainly you know land on his feet. Uh, we'll just see how it goes you know from there. Oh, I agree. He'll he'll definitely get fired before he before he quits for sure. Yeah, I that's that was my point. I don't think he'll call it quits. I think Ohio State will call it quits on him if he does not produce and win a game uh, against Michigan. I'd be four in a row. I mean, he'll be out faster than that female reporter probably was with uh, Todd Bowles. So yeah, and plus, <laughs> correct me correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I don't think. I don't think Ryan Day ever played for Ohio State, right? Like he 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 does not have that advantage that Jim Harbaugh, you know, had. Whereas, like, yes, Jim Harbaugh lost to Ohio State for several years in a row, but he's also a uh, legacy guy. Like he he's an alum. He played for uh he played for Michigan, so he had that going for him. Ryan Day does not. Yeah, my brother-in-law is a uh, <clears throat> a very very diehard Ohio State fan, and uh, you know he he wants day out. I mean, he wants, he wanted him out the day they lost to Michigan at the game earlier this year. So fans definitely aren't on his side, but fans aren't the AD. They don't make those decisions, but uh, if they are rowdy enough, it could happen. But uh, that is about all we have today though, for you folks. Uh, If you could please hit that like that subscribe button, we would really appreciate it and uh, leave a comment. Let us know your predictions for these playoff games that are happening um i mean there there are some very marquee matchups this weekend so i'd love to hear your predictions especially with some of the big underdogs could that possibly change we heard it on here that the houston texans although they are big underdogs they could pull off the victory so please hit uh that comment put it in in there and we will be happy to see that and see if you are right but uh lastly guys go ahead check out uh support American Daily Press, that is ADP that we talk about. Uh, They are uh, the reason we have this show, so I want to give them a shout out. So please check out American Daily Press. And also, like I mentioned earlier, North Arrow Coffee Company. They are amazing coffee. And chances are Jim Harwell probably drinks that coffee too. So if you know, you know. But until next time, guys, we are rounding third and we are headed for home.